This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors and Affiliates. And our goal is to provide our listeners with real facts, real stats about our local market. This way we can make some really good informed decisions about our homes, where we live, the properties that we invest in. Um, and the reason I said and affiliates is because today I have Troy Schiambato of uh, Pillar to Post Home Inspection. He is an affiliate member of the Fresno Association of Realtors. So not a realtor, a home inspector. And as we're going to find out today, does more than just home inspections too. Home energy, home energy audits. Um, earlier this morning I was just learning more about radon testing. So we're going to learn a lot. Welcome, Troy. Thanks, Don. Great to be here. I appreciate it. All right. How long have you been uh, in the in- inspection business? Uh, just a couple years doing uh, the home inspection business. I came from uh, kind of the commercial side and uh, retired from that and jumped into uh, opening my uh, home inspection business with Pillar Post. All right. It's kind of interesting, so tell us the truth when you say the commercial side. <laughs> well, I spent about uh, 25 years in prison, uh, actually a facility <laughs> manager, and uh, uh, retired out of there. Well, at least you were on the right side of the of the gate. Yeah, I got to go home at night. <laughs> yeah, you didn't call that your home. That was your workplace, not your home. Exactly. I guess that's the difference. <laughs> All right. And... and Boy, I would think if you could take care of a facility, a commercial facility like that, a home, a home should be much more pleasant to work with, right? Yeah, just a little bit, and uh, the clients are uh, they're they're a little a uh, little nicer to me too. <laughs> oh, come on! I'll bet you had some favorites back there. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey, anyway. This is that time of year where it's not so cold, the rain is starting to slow down a little bit, and it's time to start doing some maintenance items out there on the home so that you can maintain it and make it last much longer and and cause fewer problems. So I'd like to ask you, what are some of the tips? What, What are some of the things like a mental checklist that somebody should have? And let's let's say... Let's start off with electrical. What what can they be doing? Well, there's a ton of stuff with electrical, especially when it comes to uh, the the exterior, uh, because that's where that's where a lot of your electrical components are out in the weather and the and the sun and stuff. Uh, but interiorly, uh, you just you just want to do a good brief overall. Uh, you know, checking all your uh, your lamps and extension cords, especially. Uh, looking for any frays or anything going on there that uh, could potentially cause a, a, a shock risk or even a fire. Uh, receptacles, you know, there's a lot of times that receptacles get broken. Uh, check in your GFCI. Make sure. <coughs> Excuse me. That's okay. That happens to me a lot. But but that gives me a chance to break in here. It's, say Now, you're talking about the electrical on the outside, and... You're mentioning extension cords. Isn't that a red flag? 
Well, I kind of, I kind of jump, I kind of bounced around a little bit. I did, I did jump into the interior where a lot of people use them, but uh, everybody uses them outside too, and it is a red flag when you're using it for uh, what we, what we'd call more of a permanent wiring. Um, I was just doing a home inspection the other day where they had these great. Uh, these overhead lights uh, lighten up the patio. Everything looked great, except it was running from an extension cord wired into the uh, the back porch light going up to the top of the roof, and then extending from there, it was running all the lights. So that does that does definitely present a hazard uh, to anybody that's actually there. So yeah, you're right, Don. Extension cords outside are really a no go. They're only for temporary use. Mm-hmm. Because there's certain varmints that kind of like chewing on those yeah them squirrels are they're detrimental to that <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm kind of finding out my dog is too <laughs> oh, is that right? well yeah. he, he likes chewing on sprinklers and um just whatever he can destroy yeah well they'll get it all for sure all right so that's that's electrical um how about the uh doors and windows what what can be done uh, on a regular maintenance basis. Well, your windows, you're you're definitely you you want to inspect them and check them to see to to make sure that uh, you know like your dual pane windows and your triple pane windows that uh, the seals haven't broken and where they've lost their gas and uh, uh, or the desiccant. There's actually desiccant inside those windows that absorbs moisture. Uh, when that becomes uh, up to capacity, if you will, you know that's where you start getting your clouding and stuff going on. Sometimes those windows can be repaired, but they usually get worse and actually need to be replaced. But caulking around the windows is always a big one, and the doors, all your exterior doors and windows, um, you, just, you definitely want to check that out. Uh, if it's if it's showing uh, a type of degradation now, it's gonna it's just gonna increase over the summertime with the sun. So. When the seal breaks on a dual pane window and you start getting that fogging, that also means that it's it's not just that it's fogging, but does it mean that it's not working properly anymore? Right. It's it's not as energy efficient. Uh, and and those windows will be a, like an arg, argon gas in them, uh, and that that actually creates a an insulation layer, if you will, in between uh, the glass. It's kind of like it's kind of like actual blown-in fiberglass insulation. If you smash it down, it doesn't work as well. It actually uses the air in between that area to help insulate. Okay, so here's a question from uh, this happened about three months ago. Uh, during an escrow, there was a broken dual-pane window. So the seller had a handyman come out, and he replaced the two... Uh, panes of glass and cocked around them but of course there was no gas in there because it wasn't sealed by the manufacturer and um, we said hey wait a minute you can't do that <laughs> that's not going to work right right it, um and of course the seller said well it's not broken anymore yeah it's not broken but it won't be as efficient and eventually it's going to cloud up to uh, if if you're going to have something like that done, it definitely needs to be by a by a, a qualified contractor. Uh, like I mentioned, there's there's that desiccant, you know, that uh, you get those little packs in your uh, in your different powder drinks, or sometimes in the pocket of your jacket when you buy it or anything. Well, there's that same material is inside the bottom of those windows, 
And as moisture does work its way inside there, it actually absorbs that, and that's what keeps it from uh, getting that cloudy uh, look to it and then drying up and staining and just completely ruin the visibility. Okay. Uh, and then to boot, this was on the south side of the house. Oh, yeah. So So that window would have really taken in a lot of heat. Correct, yeah. And then it causes that uh, what they call pumping when the window expands and contracts, and that's what creates that moisture. Okay. What about around doors? Um, I think this is the time of year where doors start to swell. The frames swell a little bit, or, or maybe that's more in the fall. But but I know they don't. there's expansion and contraction on those. Is there any maintenance that can be done to help with that? Well, the biggest the biggest thing in, with your door jams and your doors themselves on the exterior side is uh, is, is keeping them uh, properly treated. That uh, the paint's just not cosmetic. That paint is actually uh, it reduces the moisture intake of of the wood. The wood's naturally going to absorb the moisture. Uh, so if it's not properly prepared and taken care of, that's what uh, induces that swelling. Even on the interior of the home, if you find your doors. Uh, starting to swell or anything like that that's a that's a first sign of a, a of a leak somewhere okay so by keeping them properly painted and sealed that reduces the expansion contraction it, it, it reduces it incredibly yes okay well that's a good tip see this is why i listen to welcome home radio <laughs> <laughs> Now I know why my door's uh, kind of stuck right now. <laughs> Maybe it needs a little more maintenance. How about um, the how about plumbing fixtures inside the house? The biggest thing to do with those is really take your time, take some stuff out from underneath the sink. Everybody, everybody has their underneath their sinks are just piled full of stuff uh that's one of the the limitations that hurts us on the home inspection is is you know we don't touch personal property uh, so it's really hard to get in there and look when people have them piled up so and we're all the same we all have it all it's an open cabinet and we use it for storage so uh you got to get under there and look for leaks check for check for any moisture down in the base of the cabinet and uh you know feel each each uh 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 hose and pipe and, and the faucets and underneath the sink and the drain, you know, run them and uh, really check them to make sure anything isn't leaking. Okay. So maybe springtime is a good time to go through, run a sink, go underneath, feel along there, see if there's any water dripping, any, any moisture, and of course feel the, I think that's called a, a false bottom. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yep. The flooring of that cabinet and see if that's wet. Okay, um, we are going to go to our next commercial break, but we're not done going through the, the property on some springtime tips. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and in the studio with us today, we have Troy Shambato of Pillar to Post Home Inspection. And um, in the first segment, we were talking about some seasonal maintenance tips. And we've been going through the house and the property, but we're not done. You know, a home has many different components, so 
this could take a while. But uh, we uh, so Troy, give us some more tips. Now we talked about electrical, plumbing. Uh, we talked about uh, well, we didn't really. Oh, we talked about doors and windows. We didn't really get into heating and cooling. What what could be done there? Well, the heating and cooling systems definitely need to be serviced uh, every year and primarily at least once a year before the season begins. So uh, for the listeners out there, now is a good time to call your HVAC guy and have him come out and uh, do a complete inspection and a service of your HVAC unit. Because uh, before we know it, that switch is going to turn and it'll be uh, over 100 degrees here in the valley and that's when they get busy and you get pushed out a week or two. But uh just for the general homeowner, uh, the main thing is keep your filter changed. Those should be changed about every three months. Uh, and when it comes to that filter, the best thing to do is uh, go back to the manufacturer, look at the manual, and see what filter that it, it actually requires. Uh, you don't want to be putting uh, you know, one of the nice $30 allergen filters in it when it restricts too much air. Uh, which will reduce your efficiency. So you really need to see what that unit's rated at and, and change that filter. You know, my HVAC guy came out to service my place, and he told me, hey, you spent too much money on your on your filter. I go, how could you do that? I always thought the more you spend, the better it was. And he said exactly that. He said, it is so good that it's restricting your airflow. He said, go buy the $2 one. He goes, that's all you need for this unit. Exactly. You're using the return air from the home, so it's really not that dirty. It gets dirty here in the valley, and you do get some dust and stuff in the house, but uh, that's those those cheaper filters are enough to take care of it. Okay, now here's a tough question, but um, th- this comes up so often, and it's become one of my pet peeves. I can't walk into a home without checking out the, the air filter because it, if it's good and clean, then it's like, okay, I'll bet they take care of this place. I've seen some that there was no looking through it. I mean, you could hold that thing up to the sun, and, and you wouldn't see the sun. <laughs> uh, how much does that affect the energy usage? Let's say during let's say during the summer. That's when I get complaints, like from um, tenants and such. They'll complain that hey, my my electric bill's really getting high. And you go out there, and their filter, the last time they changed it is uh, when I changed it when they moved in two years ago. Right. <laughs> it, it it drops the efficiency of uh, of those units incredibly. You can lose 20, 30-plus uh, percent uh, on the energy efficiency because all the air goes back through that filter to the unit. And then, of course, it's cooled and then back into the home. So when you're running your unit and you're only running 70% of your airflow through it that it's that it actually has the potential to run, uh, you, you've lost that much of the efficiency out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, one time this happened, um, and I kept telling the tenant, you really, really need to change the air filter. So, And they said, oh, I do that regularly. So I went out there. And little did they know that when I installed the air filter before they moved in, I wrote my uh, my initials on there along with the date. And it's like, you know what? Here it is. That's two years old. 
<laughs> they don't last that long. I mean, come on, it's only two dollars. <laughs> we see them regularly like that on the home inspections, and and you know we got some we got some good realtors out there because I know that uh, there's sometimes there's brand new filters in there, and and generally you can tell that somebody's giving them a clue to hey change that out. You're gonna have people walking through here, so it, it they do get generally changed then, but we do come across some really really bad ones. Okay. Any other tips for the heating and cooling system? Uh, just taking care of it. You can also, you know, there's other things you could do yourself is keeping it uh, dust-free uh, and don't run it without a filter. Some people just pull up, pull the dirty filter out and run it, and that, that just increases the problems inside the ductwork. So make sure you just replace your filter, take care of it, clean your unit. You can vacuum it uh, and just, just maintain it. How about cleaning ducts? Ducks is a little bit harder to clean for the average person as far as uh, getting into them. I mean, some of your floor ducks uh, you can keep cleaned, of course, because there's always things that drop into those. Uh, but when you're on a, a, a slab foundation, uh, they're a little bit more difficult because they're uh, the different materials they use. They're not the old steel ones anymore. You know, they're all flexible ducking, but uh, keeping the vents clean is, is is another big one, you know. Keep that stuff clean because you're breathing that air that uh, flows through that system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, we, there's so much talk about asthma and, and uh, breathing dirty air outside. I think we got to look inside, too. Oh, uh, it's definitely there, yeah. And if you don't take care of your system, it's just it just keeps repeating the same air. You're just reusing the same air. Okay, how about, let's go around the house now. Let's say the roof and the gutters. Well, those are two of the most important things on the exterior of the home because that roof is what's keeping you dry. Uh, I tell people all the time during our home inspections that, uh, you know, our, our, our potential buyers there that uh, they need to definitely check the roof uh, at least annually. Uh, even the tile roofs, the tile roofs are notorious for uh, cracking and breaking throughout the year. People think... You know, somebody's up there walking on it or, you know, but generally that's not the case. It's the expansion and contraction of those tiles. you got the cement tiles and the clay tiles, and uh, they typically break. Sometimes the fasteners fail, which is typical, and they slide out of place, and that's how the moisture starts uh, uh, intruding into the home. Uh, the gutters, when the gutters get full and the downspouts aren't working properly, that water backs up underneath the eaves and starts uh, rotting out the fascia boards and the trim. And uh, once that starts, that that just creates a whole chain of events with termites and and all of that. So it's it's very important. Termites kind of love dry rot, don't they? Yes, they do. That's it's kind of like fudge brownies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like or ice cream. It's like wow. There's an ice cream parlor. Exactly. <laughs> Moisture and wood is is the two things that really draw those two in. So when you when you have those two together, that's uh like you said, it's like that fudge brownie for them. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen gutters that need to be weeded. Yes, I said weeds. <laughs> they got weeds. You're not kidding. Growing out of the gutters. Yeah. So something's not right there. I've seen uh, things growing in the gutters bigger than some of the house plants that uh, we have in the house. <laughs> All right, so and, and you know that's a easy job, I know, because I do that a lot because I've seen it. I, I've seen the effects of not keeping a gutter clean. So, 
my wife thinks I'm crazy because I'm up there all the time cleaning them out. Right. It's it's worth every bit of labor. And, you know, they sell some pretty neat tools, too. They have some different stuff for the shop vacs with little elbows on it that you can clean it out and, and the, the hose as well to, to flush those out. So. Oh, now you tell me. I didn't know that. <laughs> that's why I listen to Welcome Home Radio. You don't necessarily have to hop up on that ladder, that's for sure, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, how about this is that time of year when spring brings out new growth in bushes and trees, and they're going to grow up. Some of them are going to start hitting the roof. Yeah, we definitely look for that uh, uh, when we're out and about, too. Is is anything touching the exterior of the of the walls of the home? Uh, stucco, the wood, uh, creeps up and starts uh, uh, running contact with the roof. Uh, these are these are all issues that uh, you want to take care of. Any contact, uh, one, if you can't see the wall, you know, the exterior of the house there, uh, you, you're going to have moisture problems and you're going to have pest problems both in those areas. And you should always be able to visibly see that. So we recommend just keeping everything trimmed off of it. Uh, and the trees do extensive damage uh, to the to the roof. So even if they're close, those should be trimmed because you have to take into account uh, the wind. So when we get these winds, especially this year, that we've had some pretty good uh, pretty good windstorms and things, those those branches and trees they move quite a bit, and those they will come in contact with that roof. Okay, two quick things before we go to our next break. Um, how about knowing the location of your shutoffs? Oh, uh, that's tremendously important. Uh, I always recommend to our clients that uh, uh, they keep a uh, shutoff valve or, or shutoff wrench for the gas. Uh, and I locate all the main shutoffs, the water and the uh, the power and the gas as well. So they know where all these items are at in the event we did have a natural uh, disaster, if you will, an earthquake or something. You should shut all your sources off and be able to know where those are at until things stabilize. Now, here's one that I can't believe 20, 30 years after the law starts, there's still places that don't have smoke alarms and carbon monoxide alarms. Yeah, those are, those are so simple, too. It's, 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 it's very well neglected throughout the, throughout the communities. You, you definitely need them. Uh, the smoke alarm should be in every, every sleeping area. Uh, and outside those sleeping areas, as well as a carbon monoxide detector should be outside the sleeping area as well. So does the code require you to have a smoke alarm in each bedroom and the hallway? Exactly. should be in each bedroom and outside of the sleeping room. So, if so not just a, or, but and. And. And if you, have, if you have a master bedroom, say, on the other side of the house, like some of these split homes are, yeah, you're required to have one outside of that bedroom as well. Okay. Well, thank you for that. And we are going to our next commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And we're talking about very, very fine houses, as the the song said, with Pillar to Post Home Inspector Troy Shambato. Troy, um, you also, you gave us a bunch of spring cleaning tips, um, which, by the way, um, should be done in the autumn also. So Most definitely. Yeah. Um, tell us about home energy reports. I mean... It, 
the, our our gas and electric costs seem to keep going up and up, and, and, and I'm talking by the kilowatt hour, not just the the bill. <laughs> so, what can we do? What can be done, cost effectively, to um, uh, to make our home more affordable? Well, something we just we just added to our services is doing uh, it's it's called the Home Energy Score. And it's through the Department of Energy. So this is on a national level uh, with the Department of Energy. So we got certified to perform this uh, inspection. And right now we're doing those uh, as well along with the home inspection. So we're, at the, we're just kind of doing them both at the same time uh, because some of the information uh, is checked during a home inspection that we can use in that home energy report. So a lot of what we're looking at is your, uh, is like we talked about for maintenance and stuff, we're looking at the uh, HVAC systems. We're looking at the current insulation and the values uh, that they provide uh, in the attic and the walls. Uh, and if it, even if it's on a, um, a foundation where you have a basement or a crawl space, then uh, we're also looking at uh, the insulation and the floor levels. Uh, and then we're also looking at windows. We're checking the windows. We're looking in the attic, uh, not only at the insulation, you know, in the attic as far as the blown-in insulation or the bats, but we're also looking at the decking to see if what, you know, if you have a radiant barrier that helps with the insulating factor. Uh, some homes actually are insulated. Um, vaulted ceilings and cathedral ceilings, they all play a part in that, that home energy score. Uh, but the the biggest the biggest contributor is uh, like you mentioned as far as electric and gas what we're paying and as things go up it's critical to stay on top of these things uh, as time goes technology improves and uh, we're able to uh, to upgrade these items at a substantial savings uh, with a good with a de- you know decent payback. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a key thing to look at. What is a decent payback? Um, you know, if somebody were to spend $50,000 on a solar system, but they're only going to be there for two years because they know that they're probably going to be transferred, um, okay, you're, you're not going to get much of a payback from that one. So um, I guess that's where getting professional advice from an inspector like you is good. It's like, okay, maybe I'm only going to be in this house two, maybe three more years what are the things that I can do that are cost effective? In fact, if somebody was going to be in a home short term, what are the things that are cost effective that can be done? Well, when it comes to the home energy, depending on the age of your of your systems, that that's going to be a big one because if your systems are old, when a, when a home inspector goes in there. We're obligated to let the buyer know that, hey, these, these have reached their typical uh, life expectancy. It doesn't mean they're going to fail tomorrow or, or next week or next year, but there's a national average on uh, all the appliances as far as what the, what the typical life expectancy is. So if you're, you have well exceeded that um, by replacing that, those uh, items, say your air conditioner and your heater, if you replace both of those, not only will you start to see a return because of your energy savings, uh, when you do go to sell the home, it's going to be much more appealing to a buyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, and I think some of them, it, to answer my own question, just some of the maintenance items that you mentioned, 
are, are going to be very cost effective. Changing the air filter, checking weather stripping, um, the, the, that kind of stuff is going to help a lot. Um, what about, okay, if you took a home in the, the Tower District, let's say it was built 80 years ago. It's probably got single-pane windows, the old crank windows. It, it's um, maybe not too much insulation. Um, then you compare it to a home that's five years old. You're going to have quite a difference there. Um, of course, remember, some people want to live in the Tower District, and so you don't get the five-year-old home in the Tower District. So that that's something to factor in there. Some people want to have that quaint, older home that, you know, kind of reminds them of Grandma's house. Well, you don't get that in the brand new subdivisions. <laughs> so um, when you look at this, I mean, do look at the home, the energy reports, but look at the whole picture, too. And that's what this does, actually, when you go in and you're looking at everything. Uh, and as far as what their performance values are in it, Nothing as as a mandatory replacement, but as what it does is it gives you a, a baseline of what your energy, what you're spending in energy now, and what the recommended upgrades are, and what what return value you're going to receive on that. So the it actually uses the the area we're at as far as what the energy costs. So it'll take that and it'll tell you what about what you're spending now. And I've done it on my own home, and it was quite accurate. Um, and then it'll tell you if you replace this, this is a, you know, say you replace the AC or you replace them, uh, the old single pane windows with the, uh, with the dual pane, you can still get the, uh, the older look to them, just replacing them with the double pane. What value that's going to present to you. Mm-hmm. And I want to, as the realtor, I want to throw in a little caution for the buyers out there. So I had a transaction a few years ago. It was a $150,000 home in, well, kind of on the fringe of the Tower District. So an older neighborhood. Home was 50 years old. Um, buyer saw the report and said, oh, my gosh, it's got single-pane windows. That's going to cost me a fortune to replace those. And ex- wanted the seller to replace single-pane windows with dual-pane windows. Well, it didn't happen. Um And I think what that buyer lost sight of is there was a reason why that home was $150,000 and not $350,000. So um, it's because, you know, you bought a used car, not a brand new car with all the sensors on it. So Exactly. uh, There's a big difference, you know, between the older homes and and what they present and the value. You, You know, you get what you pay for and everybody... Everybody has that price point of what we can afford. We're all different as far as what we can afford or what we actually want to pay for something. Uh, so that's where that's where that line comes in. Mm-hmm. And it's important to look at the whole picture, too. So many of the new homes have smaller yards because that's the way things are, are, are done. In fact, smaller yards, but there's a neighborhood park two blocks over. That's the way they're building subdivisions now. Thirty years ago... Your own yard was your park, <laughs> so exactly, yep. yeah. So you um, you had a much bigger yard, but you probably had single pane windows. 
uh, you had a air conditioner that is uh, one sear or two sear. Yeah, the old swamp cooler. Yeah, I yeah. grew up with that. Yeah. Yeah, the evaporative coolers, yeah. I had somebody one time rented a home from me and uh, complaining, wanted me to change the evaporative cooler to an air conditioner and said, you can't, it's impossible to live in this home. It's, you know, that swamp cooler just doesn't get it done. Um, and instead of telling them the basics of, well, I grew up with us, uh, with one too, my answer was, well, the home's 50 years old. I wonder how the first 50 years worth of people lived with just a swamp cooler. Exactly. I, you know, um, you, you can't provide everything to everybody. <laughs> okay. Um, how about air duct leaks? Do you see that? Uh, first of all, you do test for that, right? We, we do check them, uh, and that's part of even in the home energy report. That's something that we're looking at to see if they're properly sealed. There's different ways to seal them, so that is definitely something that we look at because there's a, a definitely efficient uh, efficiency loss when it comes to that. But it, during a home inspection, we find those all the time. Sometimes we're in the crawl space and nobody's been down there for years and they've been heating and cooling it for for years without knowing things mm-hmm. just come separated and they break and pull apart and the old duct tape that uh people use to uh join that stuff together fails over time so it's quite often that uh we do find that and we do find it in the attic we do find holes and uh uh rodents they kind of uh they kind of like that material too they'll eat through that plastic and the insulation and uh, they'll they'll definitely damage it Ah, rodents, that's a whole nother topic. But (laughs) I remember one time it was a cold morning. I was out showing homes, and we drove through this neighborhood, and it seems like every bird was on top of one house and not the other houses, even though they all had similar uh, rooftops. Heated attic, huh? So the, the client said, wow, look at that. I wonder why all the birds are on that one roof. And it just came to me. I said, well, they probably have a leak in their air ducts, and they're heating up the attic, and it's the warmest roof up there. Yep, perfect. Yeah, you can see that, especially when it's frosty in some different parts of the country. It really sticks out. Yeah. That client has now bought three homes from me because they thought, well, here's a guy that knows what he's talking about. <laughs> and all it is is I listen as I go out on these inspections. Right. So, um, all right. So... In the home energy audit, there is some special financing available, too. In fact, the veterans, the VA loan program offers what's called the EEM, Energy Efficient Mortgage. So certain improvements can be done by the veteran after close of escrow and still using the same money, um, it, it, or the same cost of money. So if you got a four, let's say a four percent interest rate for your thirty-year mortgage, you can get that too. So um, you can get maybe another twenty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars for that. That's correct, Don, and, and it's a really it's a really good program, and that's what it takes to get it started. Is the Home Energy Report, uh, and they're they're able to they're able to borrow that money to bring those upgrades uh, to a, a much a much better efficiency uh, that that's reflected in the home energy report so if the the AEC and the heater and those are uh, 
older and they're not as efficient as what they can do now, they're able to borrow that money at the same percentage rate, like you said. It makes a, makes a huge, huge difference. Yeah. And my advice there is because you're putting it on a 30-year mortgage, make sure you're not just doing it to change light bulbs. Right. Yeah. Because that light bulb's light not going to last 30 years. <laughs> right. Yeah, this is mainly for the main things in that home energy report. Windows and uh, insulation is another big one on there that uh, can be upgraded. Okay. Well, thank you, Troy. We're going to another commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio helping us out today in providing good information to our, our listeners is Troy Shambato of Pillar to Post Home Inspection. And, boy, I would think you've seen a few uh, crazy things out there doing home inspections. Yeah, we 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 definitely do, Don. Uh, if you can imagine it, uh, we'll see it. There's... Uh, there's a whole different area of handyman out there, actually, that uh, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised about their skills and uh, the things that can be actually done out there. It, we, the stuff, the stuff is just uh, sometimes it's mind-boggling. Uh, sometimes we wonder how somebody hasn't been hurt. Uh, the, you know, the biggest thing with repairs is 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 find that uh, that licensed handyman. Uh, that that can actually do some of those repairs or at least give you some guidance. Uh, some of the electrical stuff we find, uh, I think one of the worst ones I seen, Don, was we had a uh, a power line coming from the main box that was going over to supply power to the garage. Uh, the wiring was incorrect, and to support it in between those two structures, they used their... Uh, there, I guess it was a, kind of like a picnic table, a steel picnic table with a uh, umbrella on the top. So that steel rod was, uh, they, they had it uh, wire tied with bailing wire to the top of that. Uh, and I kind of had a gander at it too, and that wire wasn't in the best shape. So one, one, little, uh, one little chafe from the wind, and whoever's uh, enjoying a barbecue uh, just seriously could have been barbecued at that point. It was, yeah. mean, some of the stuff we find. They used a metal picnic table. Yeah, it was a you know like a metal outdoor table with a, a metal rod with the umbrella on it, and that's what they uh, they supported the line uh, mm. to keep it from sagging. Amazing, but hey, it worked for the first month, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, what? Okay, I I've had some things come up over the last few months that I'd like to ask you about. One of them was somebody putting cooking oil, cooking grease grease down the the disposal what what does that do and what should you not do and what should you do that that cooking grease is detrimental to the plumbing system uh what's working now is not going to work later for you and when you're putting that down the drain uh it's gonna it's gonna solidify and it's gonna start clogging your pipes up it actually adheres to the pipes uh, and eventually, it's it, it'll completely close those pipes. In the commercial world, uh, you know, when you even outside at your restaurant that you go to, uh, they have grease traps and stuff to try to catch some of that stuff that actually makes it through. And and you'd be you'd be quite shocked at uh, how much actually comes out of there. But in the residential, 
Uh, definitely don't don't put any of the cooking oils. Don't don't drain the bacon grease down there and just turn on the garbage disposal and and think it's gone. Especially when you're on septic too. That's uh, that's really hard on your septic systems. Um, but the biggest thing to do with that with the with the grease is uh, take it out, uh, dump it in an old coffee container or a, uh, a drink container or something, and let it solidify. Um, and then you can, uh, it's considered just basically household waste, so you're, you're fine throwing it in the trash in small amounts like that. And anything that's liquid, uh, solidify it with, uh, just get you some cheap cat litter and uh, solidify that so it's a solid. So when, it's, when it goes to the landfill, it's a solid. Okay, so once it becomes solid, then you can just put it in the, in the garbage can, the n- normal trash garbage can. Right, and... For the listeners out there, you definitely want to check your municipality because sometimes, it, you know, reaching out to the different counties and stuff, people have different regulations. Uh, but in general, it's a it's a general household trash. It doesn't become a, a, a hazardous waste. So somebody told me that they were just pouring it down. It, they've dug a hole and pouring their kitchen grease into the hole. What does that do uh, besides that, attract rodents? That's definitely going to get yourself <laughs> in trouble doing that because that's that's essentially burying waste. Uh, that's like, to put it in different terms, it's like having a landfill in the in your backyard. You you can't you can't dump that waste in there because then is it becomes a hazardous waste because now you're dumping that liquid into the ground where the ground can absorb it into the groundwater and uh, back into uh, the well streams and uh, um, even the city supplies when they're when they're pulling their when they're pulling their water, mm-hmm. and definitely does attract the critters and the rodents and uh, species that you don't really want floating around your house. Okay, so we've mentioned rodents, critters. How do you keep them in their own home and away from your home? Yeah, keeping them out is tough. Uh, one of the biggest things is not having things around that uh, that actually draw them in. The different foods. Uh, Pet food is a big one outside. That's tough. Um, you know, Don, I, I see it all the time doing home inspections, and, and they get in the attics. Uh, they're probably, I would say, 70% of the homes that I do uh, have ro- rodent activities uh, in the attics. And what I 70%? My, oh, yes. Yes, most definitely. And that's probably playing it safe because it's it's amazing. And, you know, how often how often do you get up in your attic, Don? It's it's not very often. Yeah, once every few years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the systems, you know, when, the, when the, the heating system's up there, people are up there a little bit more. But a lot of times they don't pay attention or, or the HVAC guy's up there and he doesn't, it doesn't matter to him. But uh, uh, my cure for that has been, uh, because I, I have them too, just like everybody else does, and they're like uh, what I call like little gangsters. They just do, do drive-bys every now and then, and sometimes they don't even take up residency, but they sure do that drive-by. Uh, mm-hmm. But I use uh, w- what's called a live trap, Don, and uh, is what's that's what is that's designed to do is is catch them. It's designed to catch things alive. Uh, but the little caveat that I add to it is uh, I use the uh, the poison, the green uh, poison. I forget who makes it. Uh, but they're little green blocks you can buy for the mice and the rats. And I just take and cut a sliver off of that, and I put it in the trap. Uh, so that way when, uh, when they do their little drive-by, they love that, uh, that whatever they put in that poison to attract them. They do love it. Uh, they go in, they get trapped, and they, they decide to go ahead and dine in while they're there. Uh, and then that takes care of them. So that way when you check your trap, you're dealing with a, you're dealing with a dead rodent instead of a live rodent. So you just pitch them in the trash and uh, throw you another little slice in there and... Uh, reset it and it helps tremendously 
Do squirrels go up into the attics a lot? Uh, squirrels and possums both. Hey. <laughs> Did you have to say that? <laughs> yeah, well, it, 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 it does happen, and we've seen them. Uh, yeah, and they leave, they leave a little bit bigger of a mess, and they do a lot more damage. <laughs> okay, and what kind of damage they do? I think they like to chew on wires. They definitely chew on the wires. They, uh, that's where your, uh, the flexible ductwork starts becoming an issue when they make their pass and start smashing it. And, uh, and even like I mentioned earlier in the show, Don, uh, smashing down the uh, blown-in insulation makes a big difference in their efficiency, and that's what, that's what they do. Uh, and the the rodents they actually create tunnels in that, uh, so that creates that bigger air gap where airflow can take place, and you lose your insulation value there too. So when you first mentioned about smashing down the insulation, I, I was thinking a mouse, and it's like, all right, that's not gonna, they're they're not gonna weigh it down that much. But now that you mention a possum, I could see that weighing it down. Oh, they definitely, yeah, they definitely smash it down and. You know, even for, for, for us being up in the attics as, as humans, we don't want to smash that insulation down. People don't realize that that, that actually adds into the insulation value. Uh, some attics we don't even cross as a home inspector because of uh, the damage that can be caused by that. So how does something as big as a squirrel or a possum get into the attic? Oh, they they find different ways. Uh, a lot of that uh, we we talked about it earlier with the trees being close to the roof, and uh, they'll use those accesses. The um, they'll use the vents to get in. If you have the uh, the soffit vents that uh, aren't properly in place, uh, they'll 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 get right in there. Here's one I've seen: is people will smash out the little screen vents the air vents, so that they can run cable wire. Yep, those are the soffit vents, yep. Yeah, and yet that's letting in critters. Yep, that's that's an easy entrance for them because they can, most of those guys will crawl right up the walls or or they'll, like I said, they'll use the bushes and the vegetation around it just to to get right up in there and and they're in. And once they're in, they're, they're a little tougher to get out. So some people associate critters in a house with the house it's like the house attracted them um but i think the real thing is what you do in the house is what and how you keep the house is what attracts them oh sure if they got an easy food source um just by not keeping things clean and the trash taken out regularly uh, it's it's an easy life for them Uh, so it's it's one it's the way we live and you know in some areas are more prone to it than others i mean a lot of this Areas that we're building on is old farmland and things like that. So you're going to have, you know, the notorious termites. You're going to have the rodents and stuff. You just you just have to abate them. You got to stay on top of it. And if you stay on top of it, uh, then it reduces all those issues. And some of the more common things that I've seen is people leaving their trash can lid open, not realizing that squirrels, even mice, can jump that high. Uh, I've heard mice can jump up to six feet high. Um, those little things. Um, another one is people leaving their pet food outside. Um, you know, that's got to attract the, the critters. Oh, it definitely does. Uh, we have, uh, for for our dog, we, we actually have one of the automatic feeders. It works great. Uh, but even uh, the Blue Jays have learned when the feeding time is. So <laughs> if the dog's not over there having breakfast, uh, the Blue Jays actually slide in there and get a, get a piece or two before she gets over there. Hey, sometimes them old birds are pretty smart, huh? Yeah, they they, they hang around and watch. <laughs> uh, but you know what? It's all part of nature. 
Um, and I think that's the point I'd like to make is that being a part a home is in nature and you just want to keep the critters outside of your structure you're not going to keep them out totally um, they're, they're going to be outside just don't attract them and invite them into the home well anyway want to thank you Troy for coming in today and sharing your knowledge with us and I want to thank our listeners for tuning in to Welcome Home Radio, and we will be back again next Saturday. Thank you. <laughs>